Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Good morning, Hope Church. How's everybody doing? Just want to let you know I have a black belt. And a brown belt is reversible, so I just want to let you know. My, hey, just, I got to say hey to my mom and dad. They're out there. They, they couldn't be here today. My dad's a pastor. Every year, someone in my family, was usually my, my younger sister, would give my dad a reversible belt. Any of y'all do that to your dad? It was like Father's Day, reversible belt. One side was brown and the other side was spank. I liked brown. Brown looked good on my dad there. So, No, actually, my dad didn't spank us. He lectured us. We got to sit down. He's a preacher, so it's all we got to do is listen to him talk and talk and talk. So, I'm Steve Childers. I am not on staff here, so whatever you put in the offering does not come to me. It goes back to the church, just to let you know. So if I ruin it up here, don't let that affect how much you give to the church. So it's a little commercial there. Um, well, this is the final series of Hope at the Movies here. Uh, Mark couldn't be here today. Mark and Tiffany are out, and he asked, he did the T-Mobile call to the bullpen and asked me to come and do the relief preaching. So here I am. Um, interesting, my wife and I have been members here since the very first Sunday that church was held in this building. It used to be at the middle school in this building, and the, the preacher at the time, Tommy Willingham, he actually had a movie clip, and it was Top Gun, so we've kind of come full circles with the movie things. Uh, so Kung Fu Panda, uh, interesting little thing. So this has to do, it sort of fits along with the whole series. Let me give you a real quick uh, update or recap First series was uh, movie was Hacksaw Ridge, Jesus' mission to say, seek and save the lost. So it was mission while he was here on earth. Uh, Stranger Than Fiction was the next one. Consider our character, individual skills, purpose of Holy Communion. Uh, and we even had Holy Communion that day. Uh, Back to the Future, those that appeared in the resurrection uh, after the death of Christ, like, like lightning and thunder. Uh, and then... I believe last week was Spider-Man 3, talked really big on forgiveness and setting us free. Uh, we are going to look at the final thing called the Great Commission. Has anybody ever heard that? The Great Commission. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I want to go straight to Acts 1. i got two main scriptures we're going to look at. So Acts 1, 8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's Jesus speaking. In fact, that's the last thing 
Jesus said until he ascended, ascended into heaven. Uh, that comes from Acts. In fact, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts all have something to do with the Great Commission and Jesus speaking. But they have it at a little bit different perspective. Let's look at Matthew's. Matthew 28. If you go in the book of Matthew, it's the last thing. And if you have a red letter edition, those red letters is what Jesus says. So let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And I'm doing it through the New International Version. It says, All authority in heaven and on earth has has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All that I have commanded you, that's what Jesus says. He's talking to his disciples. In fact, maybe Mary, his mom might have been there. Mary Magdalene might have been there. James's brother might have been there, but we know the disciples are there, the 11 disciples. Judas Iscariot that betrayed Jesus, he was already out of the picture at this point. So they were all there, and he's saying, this is my final plan for you. Go do it. I command you, all I've commanded you, to the ends of the earth. I'm with you always to the end of age. Uh, let's check out our clip for today from... Kung Fu Panda. Let's take a quick look at that. Master, Master! Mm -hmm. I, I have the limits up. It's very bad.
There you go. So, how do we get to this point? How do we get here? I've looked at uh, kind of going through this topic uh, that uh, Mark sent out to me. He says, here, we're going to do Kung Fu Panda, the end of Jesus' reign here on earth after... And so I was like, let, let me kind of back up a little bit. Let me sort of build the story, build the moment of that, the ascension of Jesus into heaven. So let's, let's start back. Three important events in history, huge, major, the most three important events for, the, for Christianity. Now, Christianity is not actually referred to as a religion because Christianity has these three important things. And these three important events make it not a religion, but a relationship. Okay? First is the birth of Jesus. Birth of Jesus. Big moment. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be meeting like this, talking about a guy named Jesus. We don't know a lot about his life early on, but he was human. God was in heaven and decided to create what's called the new covenant. The old covenant, well, it wasn't called the old covenant at the time, but the covenant that God gave to the Israelites through Moses initially was that I will promise you, I'm going to send you, I'm going to give you what you need, the promised land. I'm going to send you to the promised land. That was the covenant. And he kept making different covenants with different people throughout the Old Testament, as we call it now. David, uh, Noah, Abraham. And these were covenants that God promised. These, it's, a, it's a major promise that God will not renege on. And at some point, and he knew this was going to happen because in John 1, like John 1, 1 says, says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, the Word was Jesus. He's been with, with as three in one from the very beginning. Knowing this moment was coming, that not only the Jewish faith, the Jewish people, but all of God's children, all of us, needed a covenant. Not just the old covenant, but now a new covenant. And that's where the birth began. So he had Jesus' birth. Then it led up to Jesus' death. Significant, major event in the life of Christianity, in this faith-based business we're in, of Jesus the death of Jesus. Now, this was a brutal, brutal time with those that had been following Jesus for about three years. Uh, Jesus came on the scene as a preacher. He'd been a carpenter working in his dad's shop for a while. And then he comes on the scene and decides to start preaching. Well, it wasn't a decision that he made. It, he knew that was going to happen. So he's, he starts preaching. He starts collecting a close inner group, called them the disciples, the 12 disciples. But those weren't the only ones. He had others that followed him very closely. Um, Mary Magdalene was one. We'll talk about her here in a little while. 
Uh, but there are several that followed him that became very close to him as well. Uh, his brother James was very skeptical, right? You, you who? He kind of crazy talk there, God kind of guy. What do you mean, the son, God's son? So James was skeptical for a while. Uh, but Jesus had this inner group, and he spent a lot of time with, training, teaching. He came to earth as a human. If he fell and skinned his knee, he would, it would bleed just like yours was. He was human. Okay? And so Jesus down here in that last final week, we call it Holy Week, but the last final week was actually Passover. Passover was on a, on a, on a Friday. And so Passover was the process that goes all the way back to Moses and that people would sacrifice a lamb or a dove, place the, uh, the blood over the, the door of their homes, and one of the plagues that God sent down to the Egyptians and Pharaoh, when the death angel came by, would pass over those homes. And so they've celebrated Passover year after year after year, and it was Passover week. Well, this moment of Passover week was the culmination of Jesus' final part of his ministry. I could talk about each day going through, but I'm going to talk about just a couple of days. First one was Thursday night. Thursday night, he has his last supper. The disciples didn't call it the last supper. They didn't realize that was going to be the last supper. By the way, did you know Jesus was not a Christian I'm going to throw you off a little. Jesus was a Jew, right? He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a Christ follower. He didn't follow himself. But so he, he followed all the, all the Jewish traditions. He was a really good Jewish boy growing up and a Jewish man. So he understood the, everything of the traditions. But they were having supper. And, uh, and during that supper, at one point, he says... He picks up the bread, and he says, this is my body that will be broken for you. And I can imagine some of the disciples go, well, there he goes again. You know, what's, what's, this? what's this one? Let's listen, see what he says. Then he picks up the wine. It's the, this wine is my blood spilled for you. So he's talking about him as the body. Okay. Um, so that's important, but they don't, they don't understand yet. They don't understand yet. So he goes through that, and then at some point he also says, somebody will betray me. Somebody's going to betray me. Well, it was Judas Iscariot. We know that, but he wasn't the only one. Peter did. Peter denied him three times. James and John, the brother of Zebedee, also disciples, they hid behind their cloaks while Jesus was being crucified. They didn't want to be seen. They were hiding. They were all denying their their knowledge of who this Jesus was. On, uh, and then Jesus gets arrested there that evening. And immediately, he's flogged and he's beaten. He's being arrested. The charges were trumped up. They were not real. They were fake. They were false witnesses. There was everything that was wrong about this, uh, this moment of arrest on Jesus that was everything wrong. Um, 
He was put on trial, not once, but three times within a very short period of time. Every trial was an illegal trial. The first one, he was unanimously charged uh, with the crime. Unanimously said he's guilty. That can't happen. The law says at least one person has to say he's not guilty. Because if everybody says he's guilty, then it must be, it's, it's just a railroad. Everybody, they're just, it's, they're just doing this. But no, there has to be at least somebody say, no, 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 maybe we need to rethink this, and I'm going to say he's not guilty. But no one wanted to say he's not guilty. Everybody wanted to say he was guilty, because if they said he's not guilty, that means they believed what he said he was, the Son of God. So that was going on. He went to... Uh, Pontius Pilate, he went to Herod, Herod sent him back to Pontius Pilate, all just in a very short period of time that morning. He was beaten. He was beaten brutally. Uh, One of the things they did was uh, they took this whip. One of the executioners had a whip. The whip was typically about the size like this, kind of baseball, that that was attached with uh, leather straps. Leather straps were about three to four feet in length. Pieces of uh, stone, shell, um, pottery, jagged were attached to the leather straps. And each time a person is whipped with this, not only would the leather straps hit, would wrap around the body from head to toe, and it would latch on. Jesus' body, his skin was just totally ripped, especially on his torso. Muscles were damaged. Difficulty standing. Hard to, hard to breathe. Couldn't hardly move. Finally, he's found guilty, and they decide to crucify him. Now, the Roman soldiers were experts at crucifixion. And this was the number one most brutal way to be executed was crucifixion. They had it down to a T. If some, if they, if Pontius Pilate said, or whoever was in charge said, I want this person to live for the next seven days on that cross to send a message to other criminals, he'd live seven days. The Roman soldiers could do that. I want him to die with the next 20 minutes. That would happen. The Roman soldiers were that good. They go to Nail him on the cross. Now, we always hear the nail goes through the palm. That's actually physically not possible because the hand would not hold it, the skin. So, what is the palm? Back in that time, the palm's considered about right here where you watch would be on up. So, if a nail was driven right at or below the wrist bones, science, scientists have proven that a body could hang just from those bones. So they would stretch his arms out so far that the shoulders were almost dislocated already. Then they'd nail his feet to the bottom. Now the feet were, and there's a couple of different ways they would do it. Don't know exactly how. They couldn't nail it where one foot was on top of the other, place it right, the nail right below the ankles. Or they know they have evidence that some were nailed where the cross would be here, and you have one on one side, one on the other. It doesn't matter. Either way, their feet were nailed in. Jesus' feet were nailed. In order to breathe, 
Jesus had to push up with his feet with all the weight of his ankles on the nails and pull with his arms in order to take a breath. And the breath would be anywhere from about one-fifth to one-eighth of oxygen that a normal breath would make as you're breathing right now. Very difficult. And now imagine many of the muscles in your rib cage have been destroyed, damaged severely. So that using those muscles to help breathe. You have a diaphragm that splits your body right here. In relaxed state, it looks like this. When you go to breathe, it actually tightens and pulls down. And when it does, that's what draws the air in. Your lungs don't move on their own. They're not voluntary or involuntary muscles. It's just an organ that hangs out. The muscles around have to. So for Jesus to breathe, he has to push up. And oh, by the way, there's a nerve in your ankles. Anybody ever had uh, their sciatica, their sciatic nerve, whack them? It's like a reverse of that. Starts down and comes up, and it literally can cause the entire body from about here down to go numb. But with excruciating pain numb, if you can imagine that. So we come up and take a quick breath. And that would be it. And every minute he needed to do that anywhere from three to five times. Over and over and over. Brutal. He passes away. In fact, it says he died anywhere from around between 3 and 4 o'clock that afternoon. I'll tell you that, and I'm sorry to make it rough sounding, but I tell you that because the third event, huge, the, probably the most major of the three, is Jesus rising from the dead. Mary Magdalene was there when uh, Jesus died. She watched it. Mary, his mom, was right there. In fact, the cross was probably not much higher off the ground than this. It wasn't one of these big old tall crosses. They were very close. People right there could actually touch him, can see him, can hear him. James, his brother, was there. Maybe this was the moment when James' skepticism went out the door, watching this happen. Mary Magdalene actually followed, when they took Jesus' body off the cross, followed them all the way to the tomb where they placed him in. And was there on Friday evening, and even there possibly on Saturday, when the tomb was still open on Saturday, by the way. And they were putting oils on Jesus' body. And then she watched it get sealed. This giant stone. Weeping. Weeping. Sunday morning comes in. Mary Magdalene decided, I am going to go and give everything I have. This lady was not a wealthy person. She had very little possessions on her own. She took what oils and spices she had, what little bit she had. She said, I'm going to go, I'm going to place them on, on Jesus' body as my final gift to him. Not even thinking, how am I going to move that giant stone? There's soldiers there guarding it. What am I going to do? A couple of women came with, with Mary. So they're walking. She's holding her little, small little satchel, sack of what she was going to use to, as her gift to her Savior, to her Lord, her rabbi. Not even thinking what 
about the stone. And she looks up as she gets to the garden. She noticed the stone has moved. It's not there. What happened? And she just immediately starts to cry. The tears are flowing so great she can hardly see out in front of her. She's like, where is he? They've stolen my rabbi. They've stolen him. They've taken his body. And she walks over and she sees this gardener standing there. She says, sir, who's taken his body? Let me know. I want to know. I'll get it. I'll take it back. Where did they take him? She said, and the gardener says, why are you crying? She said, they've taken my Savior's body. And then the gardener said, Mary. Mary. And her eyes cleared up and she saw it wasn't the gardener. It was Jesus. She saw that he had risen from the dead. She witnessed that. Ladies, sorry, but back then, a woman's was not a credible witness. In order for a woman's uh, witnessing to, to be approved or to be right, it had to be a man to say, yeah, 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 that's true. And Mary knew that, and the women that were with her knew it. She immediately took off to find the disciples. She found Peter and John. She said, he's risen. He's not in the tomb. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. What are you talking about? He's not in the tomb. Like, what, they took him? And they immediately take off running to the tomb. John gets to the tomb, and he stops. And he's looking in. He doesn't want to go in. But Peter's like, well, it's Peter. He just goes right in, hustles right in. And he notices Jesus is gone. He sees the cloth, the grave cloth that was wrapped on Jesus. It's wadded up and thrown to the side. Didn't even take time to make his bed. Didn't even take time to make his bed. Wish I could have. I wish I would have known that story when I was growing up. I could tell my mom, "Hey, you know, if it's good enough for the Lord, I don't have to make my bed either, Mom." <laughs> but he didn't. Didn't make up his bed. But there was one thing that was really interesting that happened, and Peter made note of this. The face cloth. There was a second cloth that was placed over the face, about like a, a, a napkin, cloth napkin. It was gently and neatly folded up and placed right at the head of the stone slab he was laying on. Why? Why take time to do that but just throw the covers off? Well, remember on Thursday night when Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood, Okay. At that time, when you ate, when you finished eating, to let the host, hostess, know you were done, you would take your napkin and you would fold it nice and neat and place it where you were sitting and you could get up and leave. That you're finished. It's over. Well, Jesus did that to let his disciples know and let everyone know, let us all know, it's over. It's over. My time on earth has ended. Now it's your time. But he knew he couldn't just rely on Mary. Well, he could. He knew the humans 
couldn't rely on Mary's witness. So he needed to spend some time on earth before he ascended into heaven. He spent 40 days, 40 days from when he started to when he finished. I want to read a quote from, if I'm in the right part of the screen, from the evangelist Billy Graham. Do we have that one right up there? Here we go. Billy Graham gave two, uh, two reasons why Jesus spent 40 days. Here's the first one. One reason was to demonstrate to his followers, followers that he truly was alive. Now, if Jesus' body was ravaged so badly, and it was witnessed by a lot of people, not just those that wrote the books of the Bible. If it was so ravaged, then Mary would not have been able to see Jesus if he died, unless he died, he came back in a new body. But he said, to demonstrate to his followers. The second one, on the second screen, reason was to teach his disciples, to teach his disciples and prepare them for the task of telling the world about Christ. Now, the new covenant is not just for the disciples that have spent time with him. The new covenant is for all of us, even now. Even now. Um, the 40 days was very significant. 40 days tends to be a test. A test. Noah and the ark. Rain 40 days, 40 nights. Um, the... Uh, Moses, Elijah, and even Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. We had, um, you had Saul, David, Solomon all reigned for 40 years as kings. So 40 years was uh, a significant number. In fact, it was mentioned almost 150 times in the Bible, the number 40, whether it's years or days. 150 times, significant number. Um, so... At this point, in this 40 days, Jesus met a lot of people. For he said he talked with Mary and the other, at least one, if sometimes some people say he had two other women. She had two other women with her when she went to the tomb. Uh, he came back and he started talking to his disciples. In fact, he met his disciples 10 different times. We'll talk about the last one again. We've already mentioned that. He, he met... Uh, over 500 people on a mountain in Galilee. There were people that witnessed Jesus, new body, alive, speaking. They could touch him after they saw him go in the grave. Thomas, his uh, disciple, doubting Thomas is what He's referred to now, doubting Thomas, because when somebody, when Peter came back to the disciples, says, I saw Jesus, he's alive. Thomas says, nope, I won't believe it. I have to physically see it. I have to see the nail holes, see the nail holes. I want to touch his side where the spear was thrust in to confirm his death. I want to see it. And Jesus did. He came to Thomas and said, there you go. Touch. There you go. Put your hand right there. See the scars. These scars for you. These scars were given for you. So he did that, that 40 days. Very significant time. Um, 
At the end of the 40 days, Jesus ascended into heaven. Witnessed by all the disciples, the 11. Mary, his mother. James, his brother. Uh, possibly some others, but these are the ones that, that speak about that. And with this ascension into heaven, uh, they, they watched. But prior to that is when Jesus spoke his uh, great commission. The commission. Here's the plan. Here's what you have to do. I'm going to read the very end of uh, Matthew again. It says, uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the earth. And, and the end of uh, Acts, you don't have to flip this, but Acts, it says, uh, I'll be, be my witness to Jerusalem, all of Judea, and Samaria. And then he said, and then the end of the earth. wonder why he said those three. Those were familiar territories of the disciples. When he says, hey, go to Samaria, go to Judea. The disciples were like, oh, okay, that's kind of my backyard. I feel comfortable going there. That's right. Go where you're comfortable. And then go where you're not comfortable. To the rest of the world. The ends of the world. The whole end. So you had these 40 days. Um, and when Jesus ascended into heaven, I'm going to carry this around so I can make sure I say it right. When Jesus ascended into heaven, this is what happened. It signified the end of of his earthly work. He was done. His earth, time on earth was over. It signified that his success of his earthly ministry, his earthly ministry was successful. Did what it was supposed to do. He was born, he died, he rose again. New covenant. The new covenant is we're all saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? Mark the return of the heavenly glory. That's in Matthew. Um, symbolize his exaltation or praise by the Father. Ephesians talks about that. Allowed him to prepare a place for us. In John it says, I go to prepare a place for you. For you. I'm preparing it for you. Indicated the beginning of his new work as the high priest and mediator of the new covenant. Okay. So that leads us to certain questions. Is it the Great Commission or the Great Suggestion? Did Jesus say, yeah, if you want to, go be disciples to others? And no, he wasn't just talking to his, his own 11 disciples right there. Because when he told them, go make new disciples, then that new disciple would, was obligated to follow the Great Commission to make new disciples and new disciples and new disciples. And it would continue and grow, continue and grow. Um, there's this, this is really interesting. When, when he, when Jesus ascended into heaven, Mark wanted me to tell you this, and, and I, it is good. When Jesus ascended to heaven, there were two angels came down, and the angels appeared to the men and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing up into heaven? He's already told you what to do. Go. Go. Don't just stand here. Go. Get busy. We don't have time. You got to get going. Um, the early church members 
were filled with the Holy Spirit. Talk about being on fire. The church grew faster than it's ever grown in its time at that point. Faster. Desire to fulfill the Great Commission. Paul's a great uh, missionary. If you ever want to study on Paul, he's the one. I'm losing my little thing here. Sorry. Um, The modern church, are we setting a good example? Are we setting a good example as the early church did? All right, so I got three things that uh, I call the plan. Here's the plan. Okay, and this is the Bible gives us, gives us some scripture, provides this plan. The first one is walk the talk. Walk the talk. Even though we don't deserve God's grace and mercy, we still can bring him to bring others to it. Walk the talk. His, his original disciples were just guys. They made as many mistakes as anybody can imagine. The second one is meet the needs. James 2, 14-7 says, Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. That doesn't mean you got to work to get to heaven. Your faith will get you to heaven. The works helps get other people's heaven. Okay? Be vigilant in meeting the needs of others. Fulfill the purpose of the body of Christ. That's number three. Fulfill the purpose of the body of Christ. Remember, this is my body broken for you. Do this and remember it's me. Go and make disciples. Okay. Um, and what are we doing here at Hope Church? I'm about done. Sorry for being a little long. What are we doing here at Hope Church? International missions. Okay. Uh, outreach ministry. Local church seeking the lost in the community. All right. Individual believers witnessing our neighbors. Next door neighbors, people you work with, friends. That's fulfilling the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. Great Commission. Um, remember, it wasn't just given to the disciples. It's given to all. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And uh, while they're coming up to get ready to uh, play their final song, um, I have did something that this church was not founded on. This sermon actually was a little bit off. Tommy Willingham, the first minister here, said he would, he would sit and watch cars drive up and down the road right out here on Dallas Highway. And he said, I want to spend much time as I can preaching to the back row, not specifically people in the back row, but the people that kind of sneak in and go, I want to see what this place is like. I don't know anything about this church stuff or this Jesus stuff. He would preach to that. I kind of didn't preach to the back row. I was sort of preaching to the front row today. But that's okay. That's okay. So maybe some of the people that are in here, if anybody's in here that's just wondering, what is this all about? What is, what is this great commission? What is the new covenant? What does it mean to be a part of the church? Okay. While the band's playing, by the way, this is, this is a stage, but we call it the altar of the church. The altar's always open. Always open. If you want to come down and kneel and pray, you're always welcome to. But don't feel like you have to. You can always stay. Because remember, you seek God, he'll come to you. You don't have to come up here. It's not magical. It's a place that you can come. Um, Let me pray. We'll let these kids up here do a 
do our final song, and, uh, and then we'll get out here. Everybody bow your head. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for allowing us to have this opportunity to dig into your word, study your word, and then use that to help us go out and share your word. Be with everybody. Hey, you know what? School is starting. We got people heading off to school, children going off, adults taking care, parents sending their children off, trusting other adults. Give us peace. Give us understanding. Give us the knowledge that you are with them always. And Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you so much that we can be here at Hope Church and worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.